Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hi, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So why don't you start it with something super cool, like a new idea, an insight, a connection, just a new way to look at your journey in this wonderful life. Today on the show, Sally Spencer Thomas is our guest and the crowd goes wild. (laughs) We're so happy to have you, Sally. I was lucky enough to meet Sally through mutual friends and she came to my camp experience fall retreat. And you know, it's just when you meet somebody that you know, you wish you had a forever with. Um, She is brilliant. She spends her life helping the world. She has got so much uh, content that's based in such um, really critical and great thinking, but it, it is digestible. It's easy to use and easy to implement. So she has like a billion things we can talk about today. So I'm going to get started. Um, Sally, would you please introduce yourself to the world? Whoa. All right, everybody, lower your expectations about seven notches. No, no. <laughs> Betsy is always so gracious and uh, just a, a wonderful energy to connect with. And so I'm so pleased to be here. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Sally Spencer Thomas, and I'm... Um, calling in today from a beautiful part of Colorado. I'm a psychologist by training. Um, And today I really think of myself as an impact entrepreneur. So what does that mean? Well, I I spend time finding bold gap-filling ways to promote suicide prevention, mental health, and resilience um, through speaking and training and consulting and also just kind of cool, innovative projects to get people engaged in these ideas. We'll see. And people are like, what? I mean, like, oh, just, just suicide, <laughs> just, you know, like, so I think everybody needs to hear the backstory. So, um, you know, you are not only doing that work, you are standing in that work for the world, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what the difference is, I think, in you. Um, this isn't like something you do. It's something you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a good observation. Um, so go back and tell everybody kind of like, why, why you, why this, why now? Sure. Well, I guess I got involved in psychology in the beginning because I was just interested in people's stories and why people did the things they did. Um, But then after I got the degree and $70,000 worth of graduate school debt and I started doing the work, I was like, oh, no, I wasn't meant to be a counselor. I I am not good being locked up in a room all day. I I, I like to think of things in terms of systems and cultural change. I need to be out in the world, not behind a closed door. And so that was kind of an aha awakening moment of I chose the wrong path, um, which was kind of discouraging, but it led me towards something that was a much better fit, which was leadership development. So back in the early 2000s, I was directing a leadership development program at Regis University. And that was really not only um, running it, I, I got to create it. It was so cool. The university said, here you go, you have a year and a half, make something magical. And I was like, yes, this is what I love to do. I like to make magical things. And it was just a, a perfect fit for my psychology background, but also my, my desire to create things that were useful to people in their lives. Uh, and so that was a ton of fun. And, and I worked with the students and we did um, international trips on leadership and we had conferences and mentoring programs and community service and social justice. And I was like, I found it. This is fantastic. And then my brother died by suicide, kind of right in the middle of that. And um, my whole world came crashing down. Um, 
you know, we knew he was in trouble. He, uh, he had been living with bipolar condition for the better part of his young adult life, but by the most part, he was managing it well. And he was very much thriving in his business and his world. And, and, uh, really nobody knew this of him. Uh, the inner circle did his, his wife and our family. And, um, and that summer of 2004, his life just went off the rails. So, uh, in November of that year, he came back to the family, but in all honesty, I think he just came back to say goodbye. So two weeks after that, he died by suicide. And that was definitely one of those life events where you're like, my life was this way before that happened. And my life was different after that happened. Um, and I would say I was probably in pretty acute grieving and trauma for many months, seriously, like I couldn't do much at all. Uh, and then about 18 months after that, before I felt like I could find a way out. Um, and I remember sitting in a suicide loss survivor support group going, what the heck am I going to do? How, how the heck am I going to survive this? And who am I? And I had this epiphany that somebody's really got to do something here. And then, oh my God, it's me. I've got to do something here. You know? Oh my God, it's me. You know, I, I know that. I, I resemble that remark. Let's see. Let's see. Anybody, anybody. Oh, it's me. It's me. It's me. And I did feel like I was just sitting there in the group and like, it was like a, like a lightning bolt in me. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me. And, and then things started to fall into place uh, slowly at first, but then it picked up speed afterwards. We formed a nonprofit. Um, and we started to do this bold gap filling work stuff. And I just felt this calling. So like when you said, uh, you live in it. Yes, I live in it. Um, partly because, um, you know, I never, I never want somebody to suffer like Carson did where they feel like they're all alone and unlovable and they're never going to get out of their unimaginable pain. Like nobody should be in that space. Um, and also because this work speaks to my very, very soul. Like, I don't feel like I work at all. Like doing this work, which is like so confusing to people, like suicide prevention, Sally. Oh, that's so daunting. I'm like, no, it's so inspiring. Um, and there's so much work to be done. There's so many things to do. So um, so moving forward from that, we just did some bold things around uh, men's mental health using humor, which had not been done before. We created all kinds of programs for workplace, which I think is probably the best fit of content for your audience um, and, uh, and just really inspired the voices of people who had lived through it to come forward and stand proudly in their survivorship. Um, that's been an overarching theme. Yeah. You know, I think that if, if this suicide thing is, you know, it's so front of mind now in that my daughter's high school has had an incredible crisis. Mm. Um, Many of the kids in her boarding school over the last few years um, have had some of that in a, in a small microcosm of 65 kids from all over the world. Wow. Um, I don't think there is a person that any of us know that hasn't been touched in one way, shape, or form by someone who hasn't gone through that. So um, first, you know, honoring your brother, mm -hmm. um, but honoring your brother smiling mm -hmm. at all the great work that you and your tribe has done in his mm -hmm. honor. Mm -hmm. I do. I feel like he walks on my shoulders sometimes. I, I, 
what he brought to the to the world was such a light. Uh, he was very, very funny. Um, and uh, and also just um, he had this gift of connection and remembering people's dreams as well as their pain points. And so I do, I feel like he walks on my shoulders. Sometimes he sits there and sometimes he's kicking me in the pants, like wrong direction, go right. Yeah. <laughs> or, and sometimes he's opening doors for me. And, and so I do feel like we're still together in many ways. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I think we get <laughs> that you're really passionate. Mm-hmm. You know, this, I always like to say, what are you passionate about? Well, that is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so tell, tell everybody a little bit about the kind of things you offer. So, you know, you just said your programs kind of as an overview. So, you know, you have all these different programs and then I know you work and partner with lots of different agencies and groups, first responders, all kinds of people. So, um, what, you know, where inside this are you putting most of your energy right now? Um, yeah, we had definitely, um, a tick up in engagement right about 2012, 2013, um, around workplace suicide prevention. So before that, I would go knock on all these doors. I'm like, hey, how about some workplace suicide prevention? They'd be like, what? No, that's a medical issue. That's not a workplace issue. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Most people who die by suicide never get to a counselor. How about that? And they're working. How about you help? And they'd be like, no, no, no. But then about, you know, about 2012, 2013, the first responder community started having data that showed that law enforcement and firefighters were more likely to die by suicide than die in line of duty death. So that got their attention. And then some really forward-leaning uh, companies um, started to take this on as a health and safety issue, but, you know, it was small. But then the CDC came out with data in 2016, ranking industries by suicide death rates. And that was the game changer. Once that data came out and the health and safety and wellness people started paying attention to that, um, the, the work has grown exponentially. And so what do I do? Um, I, most of my energy today, uh, and this has shifted even over the last couple of years, I would say most of my energy today, especially since, uh, travel has been challenging, uh, is, um, is consulting and I help workplaces develop strategies on what we call upstream, midstream, and downstream suicide prevention. So upstream suicide prevention is really about bolstering resilience and decreasing what we call psychosocial hazards at work. So one of our big points is it's not just enough to get quote-unquote troubled workers to counselors. Yes, that's an important link in the chain of survival, but that's just one little sliver. Um, We also got to make sure that our workplaces aren't toxic, that they're not discriminating and harassing and hazing and having all kinds of unrealistic expectations and depriving their workers of sleep, like all of that stuff. Um, So that's upstream. Midstream is how do we catch things early while the problems are emerging um, before they become, as we say, uh, stage four, um, where it's really hard, much harder. Um, So when that first thought comes into someone's mind, like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. And I just don't think it's ever going to change. Like the first time that thought comes into the mind, how do we help? Um, from the workplace standpoint. And then downstream is, you know, we can do some of the best work possible. And sometimes we're still going to have crises around this. So on the downstream side, how do, how do workplaces respond after a suicide death, after a suicide attempt, or after a near miss with dignity and respect and compassion uh, and really help workplaces move through that in the best way possible? So that's, that's kind of what we do. Wow. <laughs> I know all of you listening are all taking a big breath and just saying, wow, (laughs) you're listening to Boost Power Podcast. We will be right back. 
You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Wiersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Welcome back to Boost Power Podcast. You know, even in the midst of this super tough conversation, there is such a bright light in Sally Spencer Thomas and um, the honoring of what she learned with her brother and his unfortunate end to his delightful and lights on funny life um, and the good work she has done because of that and around this. So, you know, we've talked about now, you know, really getting into the work place, work site and having these programs to help. Um, so. So now as you're going into the world, what else? So, so you've got those kind of up and running. Now, as you're looking at this, I, I kind of say unlimited, really, opportunity, because so many people need help. Tell us more about other things, especially I'd love to focus on women, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think there's this thing, and, and I would see what you think about this as a, as a woman, you know, like there's what our mom told us that we needed to be to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. So that looks like, your house is clean. The laundry's done. You know, you're, you're cooking the meals. Um, you know, you have 2.5 children. I still don't know how that 0.5 works out. Um, you know, I adopted a daughter, which my mom one day said, I'm sorry, you couldn't have a real child. Like, oh. yeah. Okay. There's that. But many of us have different ways that we either are a parent or we help in our family parent some way. Okay. So there's parenting as one of those on the plate. Okay. Wait, Wait, there's more. Then here comes society. And at every age, you should look sexy and skinny and beautiful. And, you know, here's but your... But not too, not, too, not too much. Not too much, but just that, just that right amount. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and you're, you should look, you know, the same at 60, thank you, this month, um, almost <laughs> as 20. You know, um, so there's all that swirling around. And I got to say, although I don't consider myself suicidal, uh, there has been many times in my life where I have been, man, I am stuck on a treadmill and I do not see a way that it's going to change. So um, talk a lot uh, about women and what is a normal, I'm tired, you know, response in your head versus um, something if your head keeps telling you run toward that knife drawer, <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm. you know, what is a normal versus a, a more concerning thought um, maybe for someone listening today who could be saying, yeah, there's days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, that's so interesting because, um, well, the, the, the workplaces that are leading in are actually male dominated workplaces because men die by suicide more than women, but women attempt more than men. Uh, and so that's often forgotten that there's equal levels of despair. There's equal levels of challenges. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, who am I in this world? Am I, am I needed? And what is my, what is my purpose? That's usually the, the bigger, biggest drivers around despair. And I, I think back to, to my, my past, and I, uh, I was always the, the, the girl that wanted to be part of the guys. So I don't know where that came from, but I, you know, when we had the co-ed soccer teams, when you're like seven and eight, and as soon as they split the teams off to all boys teams and all girls teams, I wanted to be on the boys team. And then I had the choice of taking home ec or you know, industrial arts, and I was like, no, I don't want home ec just for the reason that it was girly. And now I was rejecting it. I'm definitely like, uh, I identify with being feminine, but I was rejecting what was ever girly because uh, that was in my head, not as important as what the boys were doing. Really crazy stuff. 
Um, and then I, I was part of a, a, a co-ed fraternity in college and I, I just connected better with the guys. So figuring out who I am as a woman in this world was actually a really long journey. It didn't happen until like graduate school when I took the psychology of women class. I'm like, Oh, oh, there's many ways of being a woman. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was very liberating for me. Um, I think for me, uh, really performing and achieving is um, been ingrained in me as uh, how you determine your worth. All right. So that I came from a family that had high expectations around education. And as long as I got good grades and went to good schools, I was a good girl. Yep. So that's what I focused on. Uh, I gotcha. <laughs> yep. Um, so for me, the first time that I couldn't do that, because I was pretty good at that, but the first time I couldn't do that, it was catastrophic. Like the first time I failed, I remember like eighth grade, I couldn't figure out this math thing. And I sat in the shower and I cried because so I'm like, I'm not going to school. I couldn't figure out the math thing. And my mom's like, you're going to school. <laughs> like, I can't go. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, as an entre- a woman entrepreneur, um, I remember like the first time the business I was running was in serious jeopardy. And I worked myself up into such a tizzy because I could not fail. I could not fail in, in the eyes of my funders and my, my employees and my family. And I, I just crashed and burned. And I know women, especially women entrepreneurs, um, you feel the extra um, expectation to not only succeed in your business, but you know, a woman-owned business, right? Uh, there are people who are going to look at you askance. Are you really going to be able to do that? Don't you have household duties that you need to attend Not to really. and, and mothering and all of the above, right? right. So I remember when I, I faced that, it was so crushing. Like my brother's death was very traumatic and hard and grieving, um, but my business was my responsibility and I, I failed. And I remember there was about nine weeks where I went into a major depression and I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. And I got to the other side of that and I said, nothing's worth that. Nothing is worth that. I did that all to my little self <laughs> with my head. Uh, and that was a big lesson learned for me. So, you know, when I teach resilience, that's one of the things that I focus on is, um, you know, suffering is part of the human condition. We're all going to get you know, knocked down by all kinds of stuff. Where in that is the growth and the learning? Where, where in that and what's on the other side? Like, I remember in the middle of that going, all right, I don't think this has got to take my life, but now I get it. I get how people can feel in so much pain that they want to escape it. I get that now, but I don't think this is going to end me. What am I going to do with this experience? And at some point, I'm going to need to talk about it. Um, and, and I think that idea helped me be cognizant of what I was experiencing in the middle of it. Um, now that, um, in my house, our roles have been switched. My husband is the stay at home dad and I'm the breadwinner. I face interestingly enough, additional challenges of people looking at us like, wait a minute, what? Like, how does that work? And, but we're making it work. And actually we haven't been this happy for a long time. So exploring like the many ways to be a woman, um, has been very helpful in my journey. Like they're, you just kick all the prescriptions out the door and do your own thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad you said that out loud. And that's really the purpose of this podcast is to say it out loud. You know, like uh, I think so many of us, especially you and I are similar of age, um, our moms had a way 
It was the way. It was the way to be a mom. It was the way society worked. It was the way social, you know, culture worked. It was just the way. And it's so different now. There's so many different ways. There's your situation with being the breadwinner. There's my daughter studying abroad for high school. Like in my mom's world, that would never have been, you know, your child would never be gone as a sophomore <laughs> in high school. So many different things. So, um, so, so go back to, I, I believe your dark moment probably makes you so much better in helping others through theirs, you know, as in my hip replacements help me with people who are, have orth, orthopedic things. But what is the difference, because I just think we should say it out loud, between a thought of exhaustion and I need to go eat bonbons for eight weeks and lay in bed and, and, and regroup or, or grieve something or someone and something that is um, concerning to the point that could be leading you toward, um, you know, inability. Yeah. Yep. I, and again, I, I had had so many years of training and education and I knew stuff and and then I went through it. I'm like, oh, geez, I didn't know anything. Um, it was a qualitatively different experience than just being stressed or overwhelmed or grieving. Or uh, the thing that I noticed was um, it was like a spiraling experience. But the thing I noticed was I had this cognitive awareness, like this meta awareness that nothing I knew to do was helping. You know, I knew that exercise would help, right? Uh, couldn't do it. I tried. And I couldn't breathe. I knew that sleep would help me. Yeah, forget about it. Couldn't sleep. I knew that eating nutritious food would help me. I couldn't, I couldn't keep it down. I was throwing up, right? So that, those were indications. Like this was something qualitatively different. And that experience of I'm in this dark, dark hole. And there's nothing that I'm doing that's helping my situation. You know, that's, that's where you need for sure to right. reach out. Um, because that's when I, when I realized that I started to panic a little, cause I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I have used my entire toolbox and I am not feeling better. In fact, I'm even more scared because nothing's helping. Um, I think the other telltale sign for me too is, and this is not universal, but, um, a lot of times when people go into the dark hole, as I like to describe it, um, they lose a sense of connection. Like they can't feel connected to other people. So probably the scariest part of being in that dark hole for me was when I kissed my kids and I couldn't feel it. Oh yeah. I couldn't feel it. Or I was like, uh, you know, nobody really cares about me because I have, I've screwed up this bad. That was my narrative. Right. Um, and when I had that, luckily I, I continued to have the meta awareness, like something's not right here. When I had the meta awareness, like you should feel a heart tug every single time you kiss your kids or 90% at least. Uh, and I, I wasn't feeling it. I'm like, all right, that's it. <laughs> Go get some help. And actually, interestingly enough, and I, I am not ashamed to admit this because it happens to a lot of people. My brain told me all kinds of things that were true. So my brain told me that the, the only way through this, since it was a work-related you know, catastrophe in my mind, the only way through this was I just had to work harder. And if I just worked harder, if I just worked more hours and sent more emails, then eventually I would solve my problem. And of course, that was not the right answer, but that's what my brain was telling me to do. And it did take someone else reaching through the darkness to grab my hand and say, sweetheart, it was my dad, sweetheart, you need to take your own advice. Like, go, go get some help. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, duh. Oh, yeah. You know? 
you know, but but I'm just going to say it out loud. Like, this is my job. This is what I do. I talk about it. And it's so easy to talk about it when you're feeling well. It's a very different thing when you're not feeling well to take that step. And, And so it does often take someone else to reach through and say, I notice I got you. I got you. And I got some ideas. Let's go. Let's go together. Well, that is so, I'm so thankful that you would say that out loud because, you know, for you, someone who's out saving the world to have to have the vulnerability to say out loud, Hey, and I had a time Mm -hmm. I I had to be saved. And I swear you and I need to just spend some time together because (laughs) we are so much alike. I could just go, Oh, you are me. Great. (laughs) I got that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Sally, please tell everyone how to find you because I know so many people listening, number one, are thankful for you sharing and also would like to get a hold of you. So would you just say for the people listening to the podcast, your contact information, it, it will also be listed here on the website. Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. I, you can find me at sallyspencerthomas.com. Um, and I would love, love, love to connect with you in all the places. I'm in all the social media things, pretty much every single one of them. Um, but I'm pretty active on Twitter and Facebook in particular. And I also have a podcast and I would love for your input on that. It's called Hope Illuminated. How about that for a title? I love it. Hope Illuminated. Nice. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always a co-podcast maven. I'd love to talk to you about coming over to our Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. That'd be super fun. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to draw a random card for you from the big idea card deck made by mm-hmm. an artist you know very well that's on this podcast. And um, in my spare time when I do my art. And so you're going to get a random card. And okay. so I'm randomly pulling it and you have to answer the question. Uh, she, the, the art says she believed she could, so she did. What do you know for sure? What do you know for sure? Ah, that I can be an impact entrepreneur and a breadwinner for my family and also a good mom. Good enough. Good, no- good enough mom, good enough partner, good enough daughter. Amen. And I'm going to resemble that remark because I need to know all those for sure um, with you and stay out of the big, deep, dark hole of not enoughness, chronic not enoughness. Um, Thank you, Sally, so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, Boost Power Podcast is dedicated for all of you out there listening, women entrepreneurs who just want to know that today is the first day of the rest of your life. So these ideas are on purpose. You listen to this podcast, you, on purpose, in this moment, in this day, because something Sally had to say is exactly what you needed to hear. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit from our uplifting energy, our ideas, and our connections to amazing, more than enough women like Sally Spencer Thomas. This is your host, Betsy Wiersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.